Hi, this is Dave Belsky, your host of the Sunset Session, um, brought to you on Razzle Cannabis Business Network, WCBN. Today, I have a very special guest, George Mantrell, the CEO and founder of Bespoke Financial, a lender for the cannabis industry. I didn't know such thing existed. Hey, George, thanks for joining us. Thanks, great to be here. Thank you. Lender for the cannabis industry doesn't even sound real. Uh, but that, that, is a, that is a thing. It is now, yeah, after we started. But um, I'd say when the company was founded in 2018, it definitely was not. And even now, lending isn't something that's really broadly available to the industry. But that's part of our challenge and opportunity is getting out there and actually developing this market from the ground up. Well, you're, you're, you're pioneering different types of financial services for this industry. And I look forward to talking through that, that challenge, that journey. Um, let's start with you. Like, what did you do before being the CEO and founder of Bespoke Financial? What was George from the last life? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, before Bespoke, I've had a very traditional finance career. Um, I grew up in New York, actually. Worked at um, investment banks right after school. Uh, eventually left to go join an investment management firm. Uh, and throughout the entirety of my finance career, I was always focused on debt markets. Um, and initially, it was focused on very vanilla, very sort of liquid markets and industries then gradually moved further out the spectrum into new markets and what are termed illiquid sort of opportunities and you know did that for over 12 what, years what's, what's an illiquid opportunity it's it's what's termed off the run so you know if a company like coca-cola wants to borrow money they've got this long operating history everyone can sort of underwrite the risk it's easy but then if someone comes to you and says you know i want to buy a pool of 30 747s and i want to finance it and you as the lender have to basically figure out, okay, I don't have other data points. I have to design a lending structure that protects us as a lender. Creative financing. Exactly. And the, the, you know, it's more work, it's more risk, more unknowns, but at the same time, there's a payoff in terms of it's a higher rewarding opportunity yeah. for, for whoever does actually do the work there. So you know, for about eight years before I left finance, traditional finance, um, I was really just focused on looking at these opportunities that aren't very liquid, probably not gonna come around again. And you know, I think it really helped cut my teeth before coming into the cannabis space. Uh, so what was that moment where you're like, I think I should try this in cannabis and I think it's a great opportunity. How did you come across this? Cause you were in New York still and then? It... Uh, no, so I moved to California in 2013, um, still working in finance, but you know, was working out of an office in Santa Monica saw the cannabis industry exist. It was obviously medicinal back then, uh, and then recreational turned on. And personally, I do believe in the product. I do believe in the industry. I think over time, this is just gonna be the same as any other vanilla consumer product industry, You know, alcohol, tobacco, pharmaceutical, whatever. And so for me, it's okay, there's this opportunity. You think this market is real. You think it's gonna you know, grow from here. But if you look at any one of those old industries, they are very much dependent upon functioning debt markets. Um, you know, this idea of raising equity capital and the markets were very frothy, that's, well, that's all well and good, but that's expensive capital. The way these guys finance inventory and manage working capital needs, it's all through debt. And so, you know, it's part of this mix of, okay, I see the opportunity, I believe in the industry's growth, and then partly, I only know debt and, and you know, lending from my working experience. And you know, the fact that it didn't exist is kind of the calling card sure. where it's, you know, this is ultimately gonna be here. It's yeah. gonna be- Someone's a, gonna figure it out. Exactly. And so for me, it was a kind of exciting, you know, at that point in my career, it's looking for challenges, you know, kind of getting out of, you know, what your day-to-day -day normal run through is. And so for me, it was, yeah, 
everything lined up in terms of me being here at the time, the market starting up, and the rest was just, let's go for it and see how this goes. Right person, right place, right time. Yes. I I think you and I share a similar journey, actually, you know, 15 years or so in one direction, you know, successful but unfulfilled, looking to do something meaning more meaningful and interesting. Yeah. No, I totally totally see that. So, okay, you decide to to start um, and be part of Bespoke Financial, Get you know lead investor Casavita Capital, which you know Stoop Dog is a is a, a member of or the figurehead of yep. you know um, so that's already cooler yep. right. <laughs> um, what were the biggest challenges that you faced um, getting started that maybe even un- unanticipated how big they would be for like that first year? Yeah, I mean there are definitely tons of unanticipated challenges, and there still are day to day. But I mean you know when you're doing something for the first time. It's the biggest challenge is like the list of unknowns that you don't know how long that goes on for, right? There's no playbook we can necessarily copy from or like here's the path that other people took to get there. So for us, the initial challenges was, okay, lending doesn't exist in this space. Is that something that's even feasible, right? And there's a host of challenges, just the federal illegality. Each state is very different in terms of, you know, cannabis regulation, financing regulation. The banking sector isn't open to the industry broadly. Um, And so all of these basically create these like individual funnels that basically narrows down what we have to achieve. And, And, you know, one of the more pressing challenges for us was designing a company, designing our lending products in a way that it's useful for the industry itself, but also responsible in the sense that the business is sustainable. We could ramp this up and from a risk perspective, it's a scalable business and our own customers that come work with us and basically use us for their financing needs, they have that assurance that Bespoke will be there to provide capital because you know you don't just wake up one day and go out and find as much capital as you need. You need to have that sort of trust in your lender and who you're working with that this is a long-term relationship. And, 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 the, and the, obviously the bigger banks, bigger institutions aren't touching it because of that federal illegality side. So if it's going to be any innovation, it's going to be from scrappy, you know, startup. Yes. You know, trying, trying to figure, figure it out. Um, so what are the, you know, people may not know, like what are the big, if I, let's say I have two retail dispensaries, I own a cultivation, and I develop a couple house brands. What are my biggest challenges from a banking perspective running my business that are unique to cannabis? Uh, your biggest challenge is probably finding a bank that will service you, right? Just and, and there are there are increasingly more that that sector is turning on it. But what we found is that right now, if J.P. Morgan Chase wanted to get into cannabis, they could theoretically do it. But the regulatory and compliance investment required with the disclosures is what makes it unattractive. They're like it's not worth investing that much for the return we'd get. So what we found is state credit unions and, and you know really private bank service providers have really stepped into that void. Yep. Um, and as a result, because they have to invest in that, the fees that these cannabis companies pay is astronomically yes. higher. Predatory. I wouldn't, I mean, it's a trade-off, right? In the sense that, you know, th- these are businesses, right? Like it has to make sense from a, a bottom line perspective. But at the end of the day, it's far more costly to just have a regular cannabis bank account than for any other business that walks into their their local bank. So the biggest challenge I'd say is finding the opportunity, getting through the application process, and then ultimately just the running cost of maintaining that account. It's helpful and, you know, would you rather sit with, you know, half a million dollars in cash in your safe in your office or would you have somewhere where you know it's sitting with the bank and and you know you de-risk yourself that way. So it's a trade-off and the trend is moving in the direction as 
more people come into the space, that those costs are getting lower. But it's still, you know, it's it's not an apples to apples comparison looking at what any other business has to pay their their banking partner. Yeah, uh, and that's I, I hear that, and you know, we're an ancillary business, and we've been you know kicked out of two banks. Yep. You know, and um, and it's and for plant touching, you you can it's it's even harder, and and you know for a long time. Especially in like 2019, the, the the word on the street from a brand perspective, at least in California, was we're not getting paid. Mm-hmm. Our retailers aren't paying us. You know, our delivery services aren't paying us. Like money's not moving through the system as it should. And part mm-hmm. of it was wasn't a lot of recourse for some of the retail operators, and they could hold that cash. Mm-hmm. If, you know, because brands still wanted to sell, and there were so many brands that wanted to sell. Yeah, market shifted a bit, but. Why is it so hard for a service provider to cannabis or a brand uh, to get paid by other parts of the supply chain? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I think part. Of, I think the biggest ultimate reason is that you know it's a new industry, right? And any new industry has growing pains. There's a certain amount of maturation that has to happen. Where what used to be in the old medicinal market, it's you know, verbal agreements, a handshake, an understanding, and we'll Nothing figure. Papered. Yeah, we'll figure no it email. out exactly. Yeah. And now it's it's changing just because. Okay, if you guys really want to tackle this opportunity, right, and get out there and operate as a professional business, people are going to hold you accountable to what you say. And I think that's been the biggest change we've seen in 2020. Sure. It's a formalization of partnerships, supply chain agreements, whatever it is. It's more okay. Not to say that you know. Oh. I don't trust you or I don't think you're going to do what you're going to say, but let's go down this road of, you know, treating ourselves like a professional company and expecting the same from companies we work with. Yeah, and, and, and so, so Enter Bespoke Financial, when, when you first sort of launched, what were the, after doing your analysis of the marketplace and the opportunity for, you know, institutional debt providers to be able to provide capital and, and, and a way to sell the product, like what were the first things that you identified in cannabis that uh, a cannabis lender could could be a value add for yeah, and that's something that you know, quite honestly, it's it's an ongoing process for sure. us. Um, you know, when we initially started and we were focused on lending, you know, the the ex- to the extent lending did exist in the space, it was really focused on real estate, right? Because everyone yes. understands what you know, commercial real estate and financing is, and I can sort of chart out what the risk of financing this building you, is. You have a lien on a property or a license, right, right? That's right. For us, it was okay let's identify what the biggest challenges to this industry are. And what really jumped out was, we don't have working capital, we don't have customers that are paying us when they say they're paying us. And in the meantime, I have a business to run with expenses. I have tax obligations that have to be met. I have to source more inventory. So when the company was initially founded, we said, okay, there's this cash flow issue where you're waiting 90 plus days to get paid on invoices. If we can design a product that helps put capital in the hands of the seller, that allows that system to keep functioning even with the long the long collection cycle, that would be something that's very welcomed, right? So our first product was really just focused on that invoice financing, and then very quickly the the challenge shifted to, okay, there are lots of companies that need to buy biomass, or you know they're fine in terms of buying raw materials, but if they could double or triple their order size, they get more attractive u- unit economics. So. Understanding that is what led us to launch our inventory financing product, which is now, I'd say, our most popular financing product among companies. And then that's continued. You know, you get inbound inquiry from companies, and there's a stigma in the industry that you know everyone's losing money, everyone's hanging on by a thread. And I can tell you that's not the case. You know, we were actually, we've actually been pleasantly surprised at 
the quality of the companies that have sought us out for financing where you're pleasantly surprised at how they're doing. Yeah. And so we started seeing companies that were profitable already, right? Revenue that tops $50 million a year and they want something that resembles the general line of credit that a non-cannabis business could get. And so earlier this year, we launched a line of credit product. So it's gonna be an ongoing sort of exercise for us. It's okay, where's the industry right now? Where are the pain points? And what can we do to help alleviate or address those specific pain points? How many companies in California do you think are, are generating, in, in the cannabis industry, modern day 2020, gonna generate $50 million in revenue this year in California? Hard number or percentage-wise? No, no, hard number, like estimate. I say like 30 to 40. I think it's probably like 100, maybe. Um, but a lot of these guys, you know, what, what's what been their strength has also been their downfall from a PR side where... No, they're under the radar. Heads down, yeah. focused on... And, you know, that you saw that, right? It, and, you know, there's no you know, one what cause. what that target... And what's interesting about cannabis is like, if you're marketing and you're like spending all this money to build this big buzz around your brand what what's what time has proven is it ends up falling flat yes and it's fake unless people organically appreciate the authenticity of the products and there's a real story behind that yep and so and if you look at you know a lot of those operators that are that big not all of them but a lot of them have persisted before legalization in California to be able to reinvent themselves in this marketplace. Yep. Um, but it's also just, that's the culture of the industry is like you never advertise what it is you're doing. And in fact, if you do even present day, your banker that has been handling your personal finances for your last 15 years could say one day, someone notices you're gone. Yes, yeah, you, you know that definitely does work against you. And that's definitely been something that we've seen in terms of some of the more higher profile names out there that have been great at generating media buzz and getting eyeballs on them ultimately, you know, either get too focused on keeping that momentum in the PR space and don't actually focus on the day to day. Or what we've also seen is there is such a thing in my mind as a company or a person having too much money for where they are at that state. And, you know, 2018, early part of 2019, there were lots of private investors that were throwing money into the space, which is great, right? You need, you need capital to, to sort of build a business. But oftentimes, if you take on more than you actually need for your current focus, you get pushed into eight different directions rather than focusing on one or two. And I think you saw a lot of that too, where people just spread themselves too thin, tried to do everything at once. There was yeah. this, the we're whole push. We're gonna be a house of brands. Exactly. We're gonna be vertically integrated. We're yep. gonna get our own delivery business. We're gonna do all of it. Yep. And uh, it was either we're too stretched out to focus and actually follow through, or we just got this pile of money. Let's go out there and spend it and buy up licenses and properties and, and, and that whatever. changed really. It, you know, Q1 2019, really Q2, it really got like, yeah. well, instead of like, go build brands, like future of global cannabis is gonna be from California, yep. it went to, you know, how are you gonna actually be profitable and, and really do you have something you're actually good at and can be profitable at? Yep. And a lot of the ones that are able to also make that pivot have, have actually done really well, especially in 2020 when the rest of the world is is, is where it is. Yep. Um, but it's, uh, it, how do you make sense of, okay, for California cannabis companies that are bigger, like obviously we're talking about maybe 100 or so, $50 million more in revenue, which is obviously a target customer, but doesn't have to be that big. They, how many business entities do they have? Like when one of the most common skill sets uh, that our clients here at Flower Hire have always want to recruit from us are accountants, CPA mm-hmm. people, cost accountants, you know. Yeah. And, and multi-entity accounting is like one of those like first bullet points. They need to know multi-entity accounting. Yep. And, and I think for cannabis companies, multiple entities gives you some air cover in case one of your accounts gets shut down, but it's also like how different licenses have to be in a different 
company name. Yep. And for you to be able to evaluate the credit worthiness of an entity that has 50 different DBAs for $50 million in revenue, yeah. I mean, like, how, how do you do that? Yeah, it's uh, like, and again, this is this is part of the reason why lending isn't that prevalent in the industry, right? It's like you really do have to build up your expertise in terms of looking at these companies. Like, one, there's that, right? You have multiple different licenses under different entities. You have subsidiaries. You have a management company that you're paying a, a fee to. Even looking at the financials themselves, it's you know with 280e, lots of cogs, inflation. So you, you know you could look at their financials, but you don't really understand what the metrics or the profitability of the business is. So that's something that we've gotten really good at yeah. because really out of a necessity. We've seen just about every different corporate structure you could find, sure. and every single one is very unique to itself, right? And so for us, this is, again, the future looks much brighter than it does today because if there's tax regulation changes, if there's you know a streamlined way for these companies to actually set themselves up from a corporate standpoint, our job is gonna get easier over time, but right now, we're the ones that kind of have to navigate it, and you know it's complex, but it's doable. You just have to actually make this what your primary focus is, and then get ready, you know, really get good at understanding: is this a viable business? Is this something? Is this a client that you want to partner with and ultimately grow and scale with? Right? And you had briefly touched on, you know, it's not like we have a minimum target in terms of revenue or size of the company. What we found to be most successful is actually partnering with what you could call the small to mid-sized segment of the market, which I would say is the vast majority of the market, yeah. and. Like 40 to 100 employees. Right, or if that even, quite honestly. And so for us, it's okay, our biggest question is, have you figured out your game plan, right? Like, what does your business do? Do you know how to do it well? And you know, can you actually execute and show that there's a business model here? If the answer is yes, then here's the capital for you to go facilitate that. And guess what? Whatever your credit limit is when you initially get approved, we hope in one to two quarters that that's insufficient because your business has grown so much that you need two or three x what it is and those have been our best success stories and right now i'd say you know easily 80 percent of our customers are sitting with lines and financing amounts that are two or three x where they initially started yeah i mean i think i think the business model bespoke financial you know is phenomenal because that ability to vet operators in this space that internal proprietary ip Mm -hmm. that you have is incredibly unique and valuable you know with a few tweaks at the federal level right Um, now, Newsom, I believe, yesterday signed something related to banking in California. Did, did that change anything for operators in the space? No. I mean, the biggest hurdle is the federal level, right? It's the U.S. Treasury. It's the Federal Reserve. Yeah. It's just restrictions that come from, like, FinCEN. Um, I mean, on the margins, I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't really looked into what the latest change was. It's probably more impactful on state chartered banks than it is national. But uh, ultimately, it's going to sit at the federal level, right? And, you know, we're going into an election. Who knows how this plays out ultimately, but you know. Let's, let's hope for safety. You know, it's October first, 1st, 2020, you know. First and foremost. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of what's interesting. Even if, you know, let's say everything goes Democrat and you have the most pro cannabis people that come into power, it's not going to be an overnight flip, right? Like, you know, there's still a process that has to be followed and there's a long road and everyone has their own opinion, right? So I think the, the banking space especially as it relates to cannabis, is going to remain rather challenging for at least, you know, I'd say 12 to 18 more months. And that's a best case scenario. Best case scenario. I mean, look at how long it takes, you know, the state of California to say that state charter banks can bank cannabis. Yeah. You know, it's it's you know, a long time after legalization happened. Federal level moves slowly. I mean, look at 
how often even guidance on hemp and CBD gets changed by the federal government. That's been going on for two years. Yep. You know, and there's still places that are hesitant even to touch hemp and CBD. Yep. Um, craziness. So bespoke financial, obviously it does work outside of California, um, you know, Arizona, Oregon, Co Colorado, correct? That's right. And the idea is going into 2021, you want to be uh, across the country and, and offer services in, in, in every, 80, every market that has a sub substantial cannabis presence. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's kind of the same idea where it's, you know, when we initially launched in 2018, we said, okay, California is the biggest cannabis market in the U.S. Let's focus on California um, and really just make sure that we know what we're doing here, right? That we actually can underwrite companies, target and address what the working capital needs are. And once we had proof of concept there, earlier this year, we branched down to four more states that you had listed. And now that, you know, it's a gradual build and the target is by, you know, before the start of next year's really double our state count. Um, and that'll end up with us being able to service over 80% of the US cannabis market, which is huge um, in terms of a coverage perspective. But there's so many nuances and intricacies with going into any individual market that you really have to make sure you know what you're doing before you launch. Because again- Well, forget about cannabis. You're talking about financial services. Like right. every state, uh, will we'll say, protects its citizens or regulates its industry in different ways. Yep. And it's-, um, it's And it can be- incredibly nuanced and detailed or it can be incredibly vague and you know we're trying to navigate both environments depending on you know right. what state we're looking at right so no, no one wants fines yes right that's right so so let's talk about these emerging markets let's call, talk about michigan or massachusetts for mm -hmm. a second um there's an mso presence in both states but there's yep. also a strong single state operator presence in both states yep but some of those single state operators are vertically integrated, you yep. know, multiple retail, cultivation, processing. Some are just pure retail or pure cultivation, or you start to actually see some like brands coming mm -hmm. out in those markets, which is exciting. Yep. You know, so if I'm a company in one of those markets and, um, you know, what, what is the ideal customer profile? For us as, as, a, as a lender, I mean, again, for, you know, even in California, it's like recreational has been around for over two years now. Yeah, like over two years. And you still see new businesses starting up even in what's deemed like a very developed market, like Colorado, Washington, like these, these markets have been around forever. For us, you know, part of our underwriting and reviews really, again, do you have a game plan of what it is you're trying to execute? But honestly, I'll say, you know, the, the numbers will tell you what they'll tell you. Like that's pretty fixed and static. Um, my biggest sort of, yes, this is a good client. No, this may not be a good client right now really comes from engaging with like the management team, right? It's like you can very easily tell if you're speaking to someone who's very seriously invested in this business and, and has sort of an idea of where they want to take it. Or if it's just someone who's like opportunistic, not to say there's anything wrong with that, but it definitely comes across where it's like, there's lots of details here that you clearly haven't considered or lots of questions I asked that you don't know the answer for. You've talked to so many folks now in the industry and the bespoke team has talked to so many folks that like you kind of, you understand where there's a story that has merit and you understand where there's a story where there's a lot of gaps. Yep. Right, and I, and I, and I hear the same way. And, and I, and I I'll, as a service provider, I try to advise those ones where there's a lot of gaps on like what I know and what I've heard and what other people are doing successfully. Yep. Because they need help, you yep. know, but, um, but I understand what you mean. Anyone with a, 
well thought out and functioning business plan that is executing. Yep. Um, there are creative lending services that Bespoke Financial may be able to offer that could help them suit the needs of their business to manage yeah. cash flows. And that's what cannabis really is for most operators. It is a cash flows business. Yep. You know, what you take in on a monthly basis and what you have to pay, that other number has to be bigger because of the nature of the relationship with banking right. and the lack of credit options available. Right. And that's really problematic. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I mean, when you first feel making payroll in, in the in the in the challenge of that mm -hmm. you know it's it's a lot but then when you're talking about cannabis companies that are having 50 100 employees that are in that same boat yep you know um more liquidity um can only help this industry succeed and i commend you <laughs> for being a pioneer trying to figure out that puzzle and i appreciate you coming in to join us today yeah um, happy to do it thanks for having me and yeah. of course can't beat the view so yeah.